What's shaking? Welcome back. I'm Rick Jordan. Today we're going all in. I have a special privilege for you today to hear from a good friend of mine that has been on the show. He's returning back, graduate of the U.S. Naval Academy and former 10-year officer in the Navy SEALs. He has a brand new book out, which is freaking phenomenal, How Leadership Actually Works. Larry Yatch, welcome back. It's awesome to be back, Rick. Good to see you again. Yeah, good to see you too. I, I mean, before the show, I was just telling people how, well, in the production room anyways, how beautiful and sexy you are, right? And and it's, uh, it's, it's inside, it's outside. We were joking about that a bit, but dude, your brain too is just absolutely incredible. My team has had a, an amazing opportunity to work with you and your team on developing playbooks for us. And today we're going to talk about your book. And I'm super excited about this, man. This has been a long time in the making, huh? Oh, it has. I mean, both in, I'd say, the experiences that led to the insights that I share in the book, but then the entrepreneurial journey of executing those insights and proving them out in the real world, you know, add another 10 years on top of that. So, (laughs) yeah, probably about total journey of two decades. Wow. Wow, man. So when did the, if I'm hearing you right and reading between the lines, the idea for this book came somewhere in the middle there of the last two decades? Yeah, I would say more towards the second half, right? So what's, I think a big difference on this book than most of the other SEAL books that you read is uh, this isn't a collection of stories from my SEAL experiences, uh, which ultimately can be very entertaining, but isn't often all that useful. And the second thing that makes it different is a vast majority of SEAL books are, especially books on leadership or business, are principles from the SEALs that are being shared with a business owner. Uh, Mine, what I was working on is is less, no real stories. And the principles are things that I've been implementing in the business world longer than I did in the SEALs. So uh, much more applicable to your average business owner than your average SEAL book. That's intriguing, man. Cause I mean, we, we've had, I've had the great privilege and honor of spending a lot of time with you over the past couple of years. And I love when you start talking in this range of like an expansive mind. You know, because just some insight that I've seen on you and I compliment you on this. It's like what you learned in the SEALs was very, very rigid and for good reason, right? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, good pro- policies, procedures, and tactics, all of that. And now every time I, we've spoken, there's always been something to where it's like been outside of that box that you were given. And is that what we can expect from your book is a lot of those things that you've taken from the SEALs and grown on the last couple of years? Definitely. And it's like I said, the the experience in the SEALs provided a, a different environment in which to experience teams. And then going into the business world, it was, I'd say, a whole lot of failures to start with, which produced a completely different set of experiences to compare against the SEAL stuff. And it was in the comparison of what I found in the civilian world, in the business world, against what I just felt as like breathing in the seals. It was in that comparison that we got to find the real 
nuggets of gold that are the best benefit to others. Dude, you must be in my head or something because I mean, I, of course, I've known your bio and you've had over like 200 successful missions in the SEALs, right? Yeah, for both training and real world. And our training missions are arguably more dangerous than most real world missions in the way that we train. The We always believe the more you bleed in training, the less you die in combat. So we we produce as much, if not more risk in our training missions than our real world missions. And having that high of a success rate is based not only on the raw material of the SEALs I got to use, but more importantly, in our ability to coordinate action at a very high level. No doubt. And this is the cool part that I'm hearing from what you're saying is you had this huge track record in the SEALs of just like crushing wins, right? <laughs> week after week, day after day, and then you enter the business world and it's like, whoa, this is what failure looks like. Yeah. yeah, over and over again. <laughs> I love that yeah, dichotomy, was, man. <laughs> yeah, I remember uh, it wasn't my choice to not be a SEAL anymore. I got injured. So I was kind of uh, faced with that decision point of what do I do now, right? My only purpose in life up to that point was to to be in special operations, go to war. And I was right in the middle of all that when a uh, surgeon's scalpel took that away from me. And at that point, being faced with going into entrepreneurship, it wasn't my choice. Like I, most of the entrepreneurs that we work with are kind of born entrepreneurs, just like I, I was born a SEAL, right? Like that was what I was meant yeah. to do with my life. I wasn't like entrepreneurship to me is was a choice, not something that I was driven to do. <laughs> and I remember sitting there in the transition period while I was still in the Navy and I just kind of started my first company and I was reading uh, Inc. I used to love reading Inc. magazine. So I'd sit there and read Inc. And it was the, the like Inc. 500, that list that I go through the whole list and read all the stuff. And I was sitting there thinking like, wow, I mean, this is going to be really easy, right? Like to be able to do the, these things is no one's trying to kill me. There's no one's trying to blow me up. Like I get to work relatively normal hours. I don't, I don't have to work in the world's worst environments. Like this is going to be cake. And I was very, very wrong. Like that was not the way it went. <laughs> when did that smack you in the face the first time? Can you remember that moment? Uh, the, I'd say the first one was when, when a business partner stole from me. Oh God, that sucks. Yeah. And it was like, it, it just blew me it blew me away that someone would act with their best interest, like their interests over the one, the interests of the group, and then specifically the interests of their team, right? Which I was part of, which was so opposite of the mindset in the SEALs, right? I cared more about your life than I cared about my own, which is what gave us unbelievable power as a team. And so that, I think that was the first time I was like, holy, I'm not in Kansas anymore. It was kind of like, you know, Alice in Wonderland type moment. Yeah, I'd right. say that was the first one. And then the second one was when I was building uh, a team where I had to build a bigger team, right? So now we're talking 20, 30 people. And I remember asking a guy, we had like news crew coming into our facility and asked guy to take out the garbage. And he's like, yeah, no problem. And I come in the next day and the garbage isn't taken out. And I went and asked him, hey, 
why didn't you take out the garbage or why isn't the garbage taken out? He's like, Oh, I, the, I didn't have the key for the dumpster or something like that. And I, it just, I couldn't believe that that was it. Like the key was in the office. Like he had the, there's other dumpsters to use, like, but just having one little obstacle that he got confronted with and that was it. Like, okay, then I just won't hold my responsibility. And and or tell anyone that he didn't like that was another one just blew me completely away man let's unpack these if we could because i think this has to do a lot with you as a person too because they're cool stories and i'm assuming obviously in your book there's tactics that are based off of these experiences too oh for sure yeah so the first time you had a partner steal from you yeah and you know he he's obviously you've overcome that and you didn't let that hinder you from actually building a team in the first place you know it didn't stop you in that moment but i could see where you would uh, not you but generally i i say you like people right could could face that first obstacle coming from such a an amazing team environment to where it's like your life is literally in the hands of the people that are around you right not even so much from at least how you and i described even on the very first episode you're on here which we'll reference in the notes but i remember you talking about how you know, everyone else depends on you for their lives. It isn't actually like you depending on yourself for your own life. It's depending on your team for them to get your back so that you survive. Yeah. And that was taken for granted, right? Like it wasn't even a thought. And what was interesting about this is I started, something didn't add up. So then went into full like counterintelligence mission, like full blown built a dos like a, a complete dossier on like what happened and then set up the conversation of like, oh, okay, where's all the, I was just wondering where the equipment was and he started lying, right? So I let him lie for a good 20, 30 minutes and just keep deeper and deeper. I'm like, well, what about these FedEx receipts of where all the equipment was shipped? Like, is it still in the warehouse or are these receipts not accurate? And it was really interesting to, to just settle back into the old way of doing things like, Oh, I just have a mission now to execute on being able to find the truth. So I think to some degree, being able to fall back on that background of being able to protect myself, right. Having done that homework was part of the thing that, that had me not feel out of control. Cause even in this situation where someone was stealing, I still was in absolute control or at least perception and control. So I think that helped quite a bit. And then the other piece was really using it as a learning point, right? I wasn't a victim to this guy. I, I created the situation where he thought that was the best choice, right? Ownership of the Mm -hmm. environment I created versus being a victim to someone who was making bad choices. I looked at it somehow I created the environment where he thought that was the best choice. And I failed in that as opposed to being a victim of him was I'd say the two big pieces that had me get through that feeling. Okay. Like, okay, well I'm I'm just going to do this different in the future. That's a lot of self-reflection, man. And it's a, I commend you for that too. Cause what was the conclusion you came to? What was the environment that you felt you created in order to where he thought that was the best choice? So in this particular situation, he, um, he originally created the deal. 
he called me in to do one job. As soon as I saw the job he brought me in for, I said, this isn't going to work. So I designed an entire, literally created uh, a surveillance system from scratch to solve the problem. Solved the problem is going to take three years in nine months and became the most important person there. And his ego couldn't take it, Mm. which is what it came down to. And so understanding that I really wasn't caring for him very well by coming in and taking everything over, even though we were sharing the revenue very well. Like for me, I don't care who wins. Like as long as we win, I don't care if it's you or me or someone else that does it. Understanding that not everyone thinks like that and understanding that there are needs in a partner. I didn't care for his needs very well because I didn't understand what his needs were. I thought as long as we both make money, we're good. And if I make him look good, that's important, but that's that, that didn't fulfill the needs that he had. So was I being a good partner on, you know, from my perspective, I was from his perspective, I wasn't what matters. Well, it matters that from both of our perspectives, this is a good partnership. Yeah. You're talking about ego. I mean, ego is, one of the biggest things that can trip up anybody and oh, for sure. leadership geez, sometimes it goes hand in hand, right? The reason why people seek leadership is because of some sort of satisfaction of the, the ego drive that they have in themselves. Did I just make up a word? Satisfaction? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> <I think so. laughs> I'm glad we could laugh about that stuff. But anyways, yeah. they're trying to satisfy this drive for, for ego. That's phenomenal. I'm going to try to use that word again sometime. Maybe not today. But <laughs> in that in that process, because yeah, how do you reconcile that though? You know, and I think this is a good lesson, a good teaching point for you. And uh, it, it'll come from nobody's mouth better. How do you reconcile your ego with with leadership? You know, if you've chosen to be in leadership or you've been thrust into that, you know, because corporations a lot of times will just throw people into leadership positions. You know, how do you reconcile your ego with the leadership responsibilities that you have? I think there needs to be a separation between ego and confidence, right? Because mm-hmm. we can mix, as you know, for me, it's all about words, right? Precision yeah. and language. And so we can make, if we make assumptions here as to what people are hearing when they hear ego, we can miss, they could miss the mark. So let's make a distinction between ego and confidence. For me, confidence is being able to make an assessment of my ability to, to satisfy a standard of performance. Right. So a realistic assessment, right? (laughs) Well, right. If I have a high degree of confidence, that means that, I believe that I can meet a standard of performance with a high percentage of success. If I have low confidence, then I have a low likelihood. I believe I have a low likelihood of meeting a standard of performance. So that confidence level is dependent on an assessment and that assessment can be grounded or ungrounded. So ungrounded assessments of confidence is what I consider to be ego. Right. When I think I can do something that I don't have a history or a grounded assessment based on that. Right. So that's a big difference. An ungrounded assessment of confidence is ego. A grounded assessment of confidence is confidence. Interesting. Because I think when you, the way that you just described ego might be at some point, every single entrepreneur that's out there. (laughs) 
know, oh, <laughs> like, like whatever. I've never done times, it before. Right? I can do Ego's it. Ego's needed. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm thinking back of myself right now, but I'm like, wow, I think that was kind of me, you know, like when I decided to take my company public, it's like, I've never done it before. I don't know who cares, but you know what? I'm going to do it anyways. And you know what? I'm going to succeed. I have no basis to say that I can succeed. I just, I'm just going to do it. No looking back. And so I, I would argue that comes from ego. Not everything that comes from ego is bad. But I think a, a challenge is a lot of times ego is tied to fear. Mm. Right. So if, if I don't have confidence, then I'm going to feel fear because I don't have control. And if I have fear, oftentimes people resort to ego to protect themselves. I love how deep we get because now I'm thinking the flip side too, is that in, in a lot of circumstances, it might be bad to suppress an ego. Would you call that something like false humility in those circumstances or would that just be fear? Well, if I have, so if let's take it back to the leadership. Piece, yeah, right? that's like, where I'm looking. Yeah. Cause I mean, a, a lot of, you know, there's probably a group of people I'm thinking where I'm basing this on is that could be, or have the potential to be, badass leaders and should be you know but in those moments they're like i, I don't think so you know the, it, it might not be for me for whatever reason it is so if i have if i'm leading like so if i need to to gain control of those around me because i'm acting out of fear i'm not going to lead well and so that if I have ego driving me, right, because I'm scared that I have an ungrounded sense of confidence yeah. and I need to live in that ungrounded sense of confidence in order to have a perception of control. And in order to do that, I'm going to control those around me. I will not, I will never be a good leader. Now, how could we step into leadership effectively? Well, one, having a grounded assessment of your abilities right having true confidence and then one of the strongest tools of, of a true leader is vulnerability because a leader is just coordinating action with others so if i can ask for help through vulnerability i can get people to do almost anything because people need to be a purpose so when i when i vulnerably ask for help from a place of having grounded confidence now all of a sudden I'm inspiring effective action. That's powerful, two different man. sides. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. I think we're, you know because I could be, <laughs> I could be a dick, right, <laughs> and be like, "Hey, Larry, let's answer the question of your book. How does leadership really work?" But I, I think we're actually diving deeper into this today, and it's it's phenomenal because all of, all of these would you say most of these have come from experiences over the last ten years of your life, and what what's the percentage of companies the failures? out of this yeah much more much more than the time i spent in the seals yeah. right the these lessons like if someone would have talked to me about the the difference between ego ungrounded confidence and true confidence talk to me about leadership out from fear and need for control versus leadership from vulnerability and a need for help my life would have been a hundred times easier in the seals. Wow. Right? It would have been a thousand times easier in business. Did the seals teach you to 
have a certain element of control at all times. And that's why you brought that into business. A false sense of control. Interesting. Like I needed to pretend to have control over things I didn't have in order to take action in environments that would have frozen anyone in fear. Man, how did you overcome that personally? Condition response. Huh. Tell me more. So the, yeah, the, I'd say two things, condition response and emotional disconnection. So as a leader in the SEALs, I had to be emotionally disconnected. I wasn't allowed to experience my emotions when they came up. If I did, that would have slowed down or paralyzed my decisions, which would have resulted in mission failure and losing SEALs. So one is there had to be a psychological break, right? They had to break, a, you know, a normal human is, is mental, physical, emotional, energetic, right? All together yeah. at once. Uh, as a SEAL, especially as an officer in the SEALs, you can only be mental. I can't, my physical side, I can't be connected to because I'm going to constantly be putting my body in danger and it's going to suck. Like it's going to be miserable painful experiences. So if you're worried about that, you would make different choices. On the emotional side, any emotions are going to slow down or taint the decisions I need. So you can't experience emotion. And I don't get to decide when I have energy and feel connected or when I don't have energy and don't feel connected. You have to execute no matter what. So that energetic side, you can't be connected to. Wow. So it's just mental. And in order to do that, you have to have a major psychological break. And that psychological break has to occur before you become a SEAL. That's why I say the common trait among all SEALs is you, you got to be messed up in the head. Like you have to start off broken and then Budge just reinforces it. And the training adds on top of it every single session. Wow. So they're, they're looking for individuals that have some sort of, I don't know, conditioned response already. If I could. Yeah. Disassociated personality. You can't, you can't be a complete human and make it through SEAL training. Interesting. That's uh, cause I mean, the, uh, obviously I never knew you back then and I see you now very much so as a complete human. Uh, oh, we have 14 it, years of repair. Yeah. No kidding, man. Which a lot yeah. of that has probably gone into your book too. And <laughs> the tactics oh, and traits sure. that are in there. We're talking how, how and why. Because wow. it's very hard to, it was not, it was effective to lead men in that disassociated state when they're all disassociated too. Try and lead normal humans in that state. It doesn't work well, hence my initial failures. Which required me to then understand, well, how did normal humans interact and coordinate action? which is a lot more challenging than SEALs. <laughs> Hence why the last 12 years have been more valuable than the first 10. I like how you say normal humans, because I don't think that entrepreneurs are necessarily, necessarily normal humans. <laughs> well, well this is where I think, this is where I think it's an interesting overlay, right? As an entrepreneur, you are not like any of the people on your team, Yeah, which is where most of the problems come in, right? Because you're like, why don't they do what they're supposed to do? Why don't they act like I act? Why don't they think like I think? Because you're not normal, right? If you were normal, you'd be working for someone else. 
Truth. I tried that. Didn't work so well for a few years. No. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's where I'm making the connection. It's because you know, you're talking, it's like you have to be broken to be a seal. And for me, it's like, I, I know, because, you know, we, you and I have done work together too, yeah. you know, from a coaching perspective that I knew that I was broken <laughs> right? yeah. when, when I decided to be an entrepreneur, you know, just like kind of when you came out of the seals, you were already broken and then it was reinforced in the seals. It, which the same, I think corporate America kind of reinforced that for me when yeah. I was working in corporate America, the brokenness that I already had and the disassociation that I already had. I'm making these connections now as we're talking, man, it's mind boggling. Yeah. yeah. I'd say four domains that are all the same. So it's the same person, different purpose, special operations, entrepreneurship, surgeons, and professional athletes. Wow. All four are the same person with different purposes. They have to be, you can't be normal and be good at any of those four things. They're all abnormal because a normal person can't, wouldn't and couldn't do what needs to be done to get to those four levels. That's mind blowing. As I, I'm like, yeah, well, no. That makes sense. I mean, a surgeon literally cuts people open. <laughs> I don't think you can be normal to be like, yes, I want to go cut people open for a living. And the risk, think of the risk associated with, or the responsibility yeah. that is associated with cutting people. Oh, like I, I'm going to be responsible for lives. Literally. Yeah. You know, there's what heart surgeons that have the heart in your hand, literally. No doubt, man. So how do you start to repair this brokenness? Is that, or how did you anyways, I guess is a better question. I, w I would say the, like, if I was to, we'll just talk the fundamental principle, like yeah. the core principle is, um, it's, it's all a trick. Like we're tricking ourselves, right? We, we pretend that we can't be present in the moment. Right. Trauma teaches you to be stuck in the past behavior or the future of it happening again. But can I actually be in the future or the past? No. All I can do is pretend in this moment to be in the future or the past. And so it's this, the, the core secret to it is presence, being present. And how do we become present? We have to be aware. We have to be aware of the environment that we're in. We have to be aware of our interpretation of that environment. And we have to be aware of our individual state. In, in absolute awareness, awareness, I have absolute presence. In absolute presence, I am, I am that is heaven, right? That is nirvana. Yeah. That is enlightenment. That is God. That is love. Is, is this present moment? And it's only in our pretending to be outside of this that we actually have any suffering in our life. That's, I don't know of a truer statement, man. Is that anytime I, there's moments, I mean, I don't do this much anymore, quite frankly, because of a lot of the work that you and I have done and work I've done with other people, man. But, but you know, you helped me blow this up for me to where it was always really like living in the future. Uh, that was yeah. one of my things. I didn't care too much about the past whatsoever. It's like, it's done, it's done. But me was always living in the future. And, and for you as a lack of future. So you were living in the lack of future. Yeah. Right. If we get really specific about it, 
which is like a double-sided trap mind-blowing man i was never there I, you know prior to just a couple years ago i was never and it still blows my mind on how i was able to achieve some degree of, of success being that way you know being that broken individual not even realizing or being aware of that brokenness in the moment i just thought that the drive would always take me to where i needed to go but it was the drive well, our, that was limiting me our our traumas produce our superpower and our kryptonite just like the story of superman i mean that's i love that story so much based on the fact that the biggest trauma in Superman's life was the destruction of his planet and all the people he would ever care about and love. Yeah. In that, he was sent to the Earth. Being sent to the Earth gives him superpowers. The only thing that takes away his superpowers is when a piece of his planet, Krypton, Kryptonite, is brought near him. And then all of a sudden, his core trauma leads to his weakness human beings are the exact same thing your your core trauma your brokenness your disassociation is what gives you your superpowers but that same trauma or overuse of those superpowers creates your kryptonite hmm. i love it man i think everybody could benefit from some one-on-one -on -one work with you no joke a good place to start i think would be your book you know I, i've only I haven't read through it yet. I've looked at just the synopsis of it and man, it's, it's just so intriguing to me. And I, I yeah, can't it's Yeah, no doubt. And I can't wait. Is there an audio book coming? Is there? there is, it's out already. It is. Yeah. Oh, sweet. That's how I, that's how I roll, man. <laughs> yeah. Audible. And it's not my voice, so I won't put you to sleep. Oh, yeah, thanks. You know, I, <laughs> I love that. I think your, your bombshell moment on this episode, man, was you were talking about the four people. You know, the, yeah. that are all the same purpose or per, same person, just with different purposes in life. It's, yeah, it's, a, it's amazing. And what, what I love about that is we're not alone. Like you're not oftentimes being one of those four people is feels very isolating. Yeah. But we aren't alone. We are, we are a type, right? We are, uh, you know, a, a a subset of overall population and it you're able to find i think i always find comfort in knowing that i'm not the only one yeah and understanding that and think of the path it takes you have to take to be a surgeon or the path you have to take to be a professional athlete or in the special operations like most of the people on here are on the path of entrepreneurship right that path is just as hard as becoming a surgeon, becoming a professional athlete, becoming a special operator. And, and like, just because you don't get the same notoriety as those three doesn't mean it isn't any easier. And it is just as hard. Like I, I would say I'd go to war and go to buds any day over starting a business again. Yeah. Right on, man. I feel you. Two questions before we, we close this out today because there's these four types of people, right? And the audience of the show is generally speaking entrepreneurs. You know, I don't know many pro yeah. athletes that are listening. I think I know of a couple, but, but, uh, but generally speaking on the entrepreneurs, you know, because if we're these four people, right, or one of these four people and we're broken, what's the first step to going to get help for that? All right. I would say, 
So, I mean, I'm going to answer this kind of in an odd way, which I guess I answer everything in somewhat of an odd way. So I guess I, should, I don't know. Well, I love you. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, I believe that our natural state, uh, let me I'll be more specific. Our natural experience as a human should be that of joy, uh, fulfillment, and happiness. And that anywhere that we are experiencing anything but joy, fulfillment, and happiness is an arrow pointing at where we are not living in truth. And so I've been using suffering as an as a indicator of where I'm missing something. Like my life should not suck every day. My experience of life should not be that of it's sucking every single day. And if it is, I'm, I'm living in an untruth. I'm missing something. And so if I was to give like the first step, the very first step for, for anyone, it's living in the truth that your life should not suck every day. Yeah. Our natural state is joy, happiness, and fulfillment. And therefore, anywhere that I have suffering is a gift from the part of me that is greater than me, the universe, source, God, whatever your belief system is, that's the gift to point us in the right direction. And so starting to look at where in your life are you suffering? Where in your life are you not experiencing joy, fulfillment, and happiness? And then ask, start to ask some questions of why. You know, I'm missing something if that's my experience. I'm not wrong for doing it but I'm missing something. It's, it's an indicator. I'd say that'd be where I'd start. That's powerful, man. The, the follow-up question to that is the flip side of it, right? Because it, these four people are obviously not the majority of the world. So right. for those that are listening and you have one of these four people that are in your life, <laughs> what, what's the best way to support them, you know, while they're going through this process of, you know, putting the pieces back together or even helping them become aware that they're broken in the first place? What's the best way to support them? I, I think um, our ability to, to change is dependent on our ambition. And our ambition is a desire for change. Without a desire for change, I'm gonna stay exactly where I'm at. Yeah. As someone that cares for an individual that that is is living in struggle or unhappiness or lack of fulfillment, having them understand that it can be different, right? Our need, our ambition is driven by clarity of, or dissatisfaction with where I am today, clarity on where I wanna go and a perception of power that I can get there. And so filling in those three dots for the individual of letting them realize that it is okay to be dissatisfied with today. It doesn't have to be like this. What do you want? And that is actually the, your natural state. And then saying, being on their team to produce a perception that they can actually change something, that's, that would be like oxygen to a drowning person. Oh man. I can only imagine, you know, because being you and I both being in that minority of one of these four people, I can only imagine putting myself in the shoes of the people that are around us sometimes. 
You know, oh yeah, I think we make them more miserable than we are. No doubts, no doubts. And, and we feel like we're alone and all they want to do is help. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, man, I appreciate you. Uh, how Leadership Really Works is available everywhere, I'm assuming Amazon, you know, wherever. Just yep. Search it, it's awesome. Um, I love doing this. The first 10 people to DM me off this episode, you know what, we'll send you a copy of Larry's book, you know, from the show, you know, on, on our expense, because everybody needs to get this. I know this, you know, regardless, I think if you're one of those four people, if you're not one of those four people, I think you need to do that because then maybe you'll get an insight into the psychoness that is one of these four people. Exactly. <laughs> right on. Larry, you're awesome, man. SealTeamLeaders.com. Larry Yatch, appreciate you, brother. Thanks for coming on, man, and going all in. Oh, my pleasure.